Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, folks. I hope you had a phenomenal weekend. I'm on the headset this morning. We are mobile. And I tell you what, I would not pick, I don't think, well, maybe I'd pick a different time. I love Fourth of July. But this is just a great time of the year, and I'll tell you why. This is a two-week period where people are off work, people are hanging out, people are listening to what's going on. People are reflecting on where their year has gone, and they're looking forward to where the new year is going to go. And as I was sitting around here this weekend thinking, man, I've got to, I've got to find something that's going to be entertaining but yet fun over the next two weeks. I don't want to give out some heavy stuff why people are, are doing Christmas. But, you know, I found – actually, I found two or three good books, but I I'd, uh, I'd had a little bit of communication back and forth with my buddy Richard Brook, and, and he had brought up a name of a gentleman. And I said, oh, man, I could do his books, and pulled out one of his newest books, Life, Living Intentionally for Excellence. This is by Chris Brady and Orrin Woodward, uh, the founders of Life, actually. But this is – I wanted to, to call Orrin late last night and say, dude, you, you put so many pictures in this book, there's no way I can write in it. I'm having to use little sticky notes. But as I was reading through here, I'll read just this little part, and then I want to I do a little monologue, but it says, roughly we've grouped eight Fs together for your life. These are the categories that, that we're going to be talking about over the next week or so in this book. He says, Faith, family, friendship, freedom, finances, fitness, following, and fun. And I thought, man, those are, when you look at it, the, the eight areas of life. And as I was flipping through the book, I realized, well, not only did he make these eight areas, but because he's a, a man that loves to be out on the boat, it actually, those eight spokes work around the captain's wheel, which I thought made this even more ironic because we're always – trying to be the captains of our vessel, and sometimes that vessel can get into some pretty rough water. Sometimes as we look back through life, back through the year that we've just come through, we will look at areas and say, man, that was rough. You know, I remember last year at this time, you know, I had a six-figure contract with a multi-million dollar company that was entering the network marketing arena. But yet, six months into the new year, actually five months into the new year, they decided to exit the network marketing arena, and there went my six-figure income. There went all my benefits, all my perks. I was part of the statistics of the economy. Kind of sucks when you think about it. I was kind of depressed. I thought, well, crap, what am I going to do? You know, I've got a couple of clients that have stuck with me, but for the most part, I'm, I was working for a corporation, a competitor. My clients weren't looking for their help from me. And I thought, man, that's kind of depressing. Was that a blessing? Well, it wasn't disguise. I just didn't realize it then. But it also threw us into a tailspin financially to where due to that and some other business decisions that I had made, not Paige, Paige's business is flourishing. I ended up in a, in a bankruptcy, not as a family, just me personally with one of my businesses. And that sucked. You know, here I am supposed to be helping other people and, and my butt's upside down financially. But at the same time, that also set me on a different road to be able to, to really dig deep into some Dave Ramsey stuff, and thank goodness that he's a, a catalyst and somebody that, that knows his stuff. And 
I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my act together. We'll, we'll not go down this road again. And about that time, my son, my oldest son, Josh, 28, who I had not seen in years, was released from prison and was able to move back to Florida. And him and I spent some good quality time. Of course, about that time, Dalton, my youngest son, who's been my business partner since he was about 12, moved off to New Jersey. It's funny how God does that. He takes one and brings you one. It's kind of different. JT, my middle son, moved back home to, to get his life together. See how the different blessings work out. Here's what would have happened. Had I still had my job with Ignite 360, I wouldn't have been there for my boys. Had I had I not gone bankrupt, I'd have probably been giving them more money than they should have. I should have, and they wouldn't have been able to get on their own two feet. Matter of fact, Josh isn't listening today. He started a brand new job as the assistant manager of an IHOP restaurant. Just a few weeks ago, his two jobs that he'd had for the summer were ending because the season ended. He didn't have enough money for his home. Didn't have enough money to cover things. He said, Dad, what am I going to do? I said, You're going to put yourself up by your boots, dude, or in this case, your flip flops, and. You're going to make it happen, just like I'm having to make it happen. And, you know, as he dug deeper and deeper, and as he he watched his faith go a little stronger in some areas, all of a sudden, with his actions, his due diligence, him rewriting his screenplay, as Richard says, as as he was looking at the eight spokes that, that Orrin's going to be talking about that we're going to cover in a minute, a new job as the assistant manager came into play. When they asked him, how much would you like to make? He said, you know, I hate this. My dad told me a long time ago, why don't you just write me a figure down? They said, no, your dad's probably right, but here's what we want you to do. Tell us what you want, and we'll tell you if it works. And he said, okay, I need I need a minimum of 500 a week. They said, great, we'll start you at 500 a week. Let's see where you go in 90 days. We'll boost that up to 525, 550. Oh. Went out the door, started driving around town looking for him a new place, went down the street. Guy was hammering a sign up that says gonna be for rent. Not not is for rent, but gonna be for rent. Josh stopped, when's it gonna be for rent? He said when somebody wants to rent it, who's gonna do the remodeling in it? My last tenants weren't the nicest people. Josh said, Let me look at it. Twenty four hours later they inked the deal where he's got six months free rent as he remodels this place. Not bad for a guy that's kind of bachelor in it right now. See, we can we can look at our blessings, or we can miss them. In other words, as, as Orn and Chris write here, we can live intentionally for excellence, or we can miss it. I'm going to start 2012. I'm not going to have my six-figure-a-year income from a big multi-million-dollar company. Instead, I'm going into the new year without any stress, knowing that I'm my own boss, running a consulting firm, helping clients. That makes me feel good because now my responsibility is to my clients who I look at as kind of my shareholders. I love that feeling. So you got to look at your own life. you got to see where you're at. You may be with a network marketing company or you may be sitting around the house wondering what the heck you're going to do in 2012 because you're retired. And that's kind of where it brings us into Chris and Orrin's book. Because they start off their book with the introduction. It says, after yet another round of cancer surgery, Donald Hall wrote, 
for weeks after my last operation, frail and without energy, sleeping 10 hours, I looked in my house at all the books that I had not read and wept from my inability to read them. I looked at great books that I had read too quickly, telling myself I would return to them later. There's never a later. But for most of my life, I believed in later. Life is short. Life is precious. The older we get, the more we can't relate, the more we can relate to Hall's comments. Life is something we feel deep down inside to be special, to be treasured, to be handled correctly. I, I, I thought about that as I was sitting there reading it. I thought of my mama a few years ago. Life was very precious. Her youngest brother had gone through a tragic situation, had a stroke. I thought he was going to be okay and then had an aneurysm died. He's my favorite uncle. I'm not going to talk about why on this call. I've done it in the past. We'll share it again next year, I'm sure. But within a week's time, her and her, her little sister were at the hospital or really funeral home trying to take care of all the things. My aunt went home, laid down to go to sleep, had a stroke. A few days later, died of an aneurysm. My mama lost her siblings two of them, in less than a week. Talk about double burials. But I watched my mom dig deep inside of herself with her faith, with her God, realizing that life was precious. Life is short. Life is special. And during that traumatic time period, I watched a relationship healed with her older brother, who she'd really not talked to in many, many, many years. She's gotten a little closer to him. Life is precious for him, too. goes on to read, Chris and Oren wrote, John Gardner wrote, a society which scorns excellence in, in plumbing because plumbing is a humble activity and tolerates shoddiness in philosophy because it is an exalted activity will have neither good plumbing nor good philosophy. Neither its pipes nor its theories will hold water. How many of us go through life, we hear something on the media, on the news, and we think it's the God gospel because it came off Fox News or CNBC or CNN or our favorite correspondent said it. God bless Geraldo. Then we find out it's not true. They go on and they say, Frank Capri, the director of the, I may have said that wrong, the classic, the director of the classic film, It's a Wonderful Life, was asked about the central message of his movie. After thinking a few minutes, Capri responded, I believe the real message of It's a Wonderful Life is this, that under the sun, nothing is insignificant to God. I challenge you, go to Walmart and buy It's a Wonderful Life, and you and your family sit down and watch it. It's the most coolest black-and-white movie. If, if you're blessed, you can get the, the more modern version, which I think was in the 50s. It's color. But Jimmy Stewart is a one-of-a-kind, and he plays a role that's un, undescribable. It, you will never forget it. And I thought of that phrase right there. 
Nothing under the sun is insignificant to God. And you want to know who I thought of? My dad. See, my dad is one of these kind of guys that he just gets a nasty attitude sometimes. He's, he's one of the most positive individuals I've ever met. And, and I say that because you can see it in his craftiness. He's got wit and humor that, that is second to none. Had he, had he been born in a different time, in a different era, probably in a different family, he could have been a stand-up comedian. He'd have been the toughest and meanest stand-up comedian you ever did meet. But, man, he just got some wit about him. And I told you last week, he used to play, he played uh, Raggedy Andy for kids. I mean, he had a passion that was crazy and a uniqueness in him, but he gets a nasty attitude. I mean, he'll gripe and moan and and whine. And I thought about this, and I thought, you know what? God loves my daddy so much, and he knows right now that he's not happy, that he's not joyful, that he really just wants to go home and be with the Lord. But see, I think in my heart that there's still something my dad's got to do. Somebody he's got to touch. Might be me, might be my little brother, might be my boys, might be my baby girls. Might be somebody I don't even freaking know. See, this is what Chris Brady and Orrin Woodward's book is about. As a matter of fact, they launched a company in the same name called Life, Living Intentionally for Excellence. And as I read through that, I'm just in the introduction. That's why I said we're going to have fun this week. As I read through that, And I thought, life is short, life is precious, life is fleeting, life is good, it's your life. I realize we get to choose our life. Whether you're a Christian or not, we all have freedom of choice. We're the only creature God ever created, or or if you believe that, you know, we came from some little squirt out in the middle of the ocean, you know, flopped our way up onto the land and eventually grew one leg and grew two or whatever. We're the only people that actually have reason. We have free will. We get to decide what we want to do in life. We get to decide, do we want to be be happy? Do we want to be sad? Do we want to own our own business? Do we want to work for corporate America? Do we want to work for somebody else? We get to decide what we want to do. One of the one-liners that they say is that the limiting factor of your success is not the size of the obstacles, but the size of your dream. And I thought, you know, no matter where we're at, this December 19th, 2011, the only limiting factor to our success in business, in our personal life, in our health, let me tell you something, I broke the 200 mark this weekend, 199.5 pounds, first time I've been that way in 12 years, yes, okay, I made a deciding factor. See, this is us. But yet too many times, kind of like my dad sometimes, I know I'm getting on him. He's probably listening. He's probably thinking, man, I'm going to whip his butt someday. But here's what happens. We tend to get a nasty attitude. We tend to to gripe and moan and groan. We, We tend, sadly, my dad never let me do this growing up. Matter of fact, he used to hate this. But what happens is we try to blame everybody else. We try to blame others for our attitude. He used to tell me, man, you got a bad attitude, boy. Those were his words all the time. And it used to just 
frustrate me to death because I'm thinking, you know what, you're the one with the bad attitude. It ain't me. And then I'd go to school and I'd get in trouble. So I don't know. One of us was right. One of us was wrong. But the boys wrote something in this book. It says, victim or victor? It says, there's an occupation that is experiencing significant growth. It has a low entry requirements and can be had by literally anyone. Hordes are stampeding in the direction with noses accurately turned to the smell of the gravy line. The position, that of victim. Playing the part of a victim is becoming America's natural or national sport. I mentioned at the top of the hour in the monologue. Went through went through losing losing my contract, losing six figures a year. That's that's around ten thousand dollars a month. Ended up going bankruptcy. That was my fault because I I burnt through the credit cards trying to to make a business grow. Not network marketing. I actually had a, a mobile dry cleaning business in between the real estate bust and the oil spills. Nobody needed their clothes clean. They just needed to survive like me. But it was my fault. I should have cut my losses. I didn't. But I didn't play the victim either. See, they go on there, they say, how could it be otherwise when it makes for such a perfect marriage between the state of one hand and the victim of the other? Not just when the government, but with everybody here. We get this attitude, this entitlement. It's, it, I deserve this, and it's your fault that I don't have it. Whether it's our success. I, I got a, an email from a from a network marketer this weekend, and it was a and I wrote back and said, "Man, this is a beautifully written prospecting email." He started off saying, "Hey Troy, I've seen your name across the internet, and you must have had a lot of success in network marketing." Don't believe everything you read on the internet, but it was good. And he started talking about the companies with, and and then he made a statement in there. He said, "Our company is going to stop the trend of wrongful terminations." by companies of distributors. Well, that just hit me wrong, so I wrote him a professional letter back and said, where do you get the stat that that's what happens? See, again, we're looking at it as it's the company versus the, the, the distributor. It's the government versus the little people. It's big corporation versus the employees. I'm a victim. Anytime you have that mindset, you're the victim. I don't like my upline. He screwed me. He used me. He was a predatory upline. Well, crying out loud, we know that happens sometimes. Not making light of that. I know that there's even wrongful terminations, but it doesn't happen often. First of all, it's kind of humorous to use the word termination. You're an independent contractor. You can have your agreement terminated, but you can't be terminated. And that's called breach of contract. There's a legal term for that. I look at all these things, and I look at what these guys are writing, and I thought they summed it up with one word. Whether it's your personality, whether it's your business, whether it's your life, whether it's your attitude, whether it's the fact that after 45 years you figured out you married the wrong spouse, whatever the case is, whatever, whatever attitude, whatever philosophy that we have, they summed it up with one thing. We all get to make the choice daily. 
May we choose wisely and become part of the solution group of victors instead of the problem group of victims. When you go through hell on earth, when you have something that hits and it just sucks, Richard Brooke in our last our last series made it very clear, rewrite the script. Why would you sit there and say, oh, I have no choice, this is the way it's going to end, when you can rewrite it? One of their one-liners says this, success never goes on sale, but most spend their whole lives dickering over the cost, never making the purchase. Man, that's, those are simple words, but powerful. You know, this, this is something that, that you've got to look at, you've got to dig into, you've got to realize. We get to make the choices. We get to decide. And, and you know what? You may be saying, well, Troy, I don't want to decide because I don't want to be a leader. You don't have a choice in the matter. I learned something a long time ago. I'm going to tell another story about my pappy again. He drove a truck most of his adult life. He met some interesting people. <clears throat> and he told me a story once about the king of the gypsies. Oh, no, excuse me, the king of the hobos. And these are a group of guys that run the rails. And because he'd drive trucks and drop trailers and stuff, he got to know some of these guys. They'd be in the bottoms down there where the trucking lines were. Interesting characters. So I studied up on hobos. Then I moved to the most prestigious island in the panhandle of Florida. I found out we don't have hobos because we don't have a train track. We just got homeless people. Same difference. They have a leader. See, you're a leader whether you want to be or not. It isn't, it isn't about rank. It's not about position. Here's the king of the hobos leading a clan, riding the rails, homeless. They don't have any money. They earn money here and there, yonder. But they pick the leader. Somebody's going to pick you as their leader. We look at leadership as a positive thing. Because in most of the cases, that's what people think of. They think of all the positive leaders. Where would England be without Churchill? Where would Scotland be without Wallace or Mel Gibson? It's the 20th century. Where would Team be without Orrin Woodward and Chris Brady? But I want you to think of something different. Where would Germany have been without Hitler? Where would Russia have been without Stalin? Where would Iraq be today without their leader? Where would Iran be? Where would Libya be? Where would Israel be? See, leadership is something that we all tend to to have and some of us want to ignore. The guys write a little thing here. It's called self-deception and leadership results. It says leadership results or leader results in life, excuse me, results in life are adversely proportional to the level of self, our level of self-deception. I know that statement can sound harsh, but hardly anything amazes me more 
than the self-deception levels of obtained by people. In a desire to protect their fragile egos, potentially successful people would rather destroy their results than confront the facts. If things are going poorly, the first step is to confront the facts. Most people, when they read this, are quick to say, yes, I confronted the facts, and it's everyone else's fault but my own. The only problem is with this answer is that if everyone else is to blame, then how can you change to get better? Your bad teammates can hurt you, but they cannot stop you as only you can choose to quit your leadership journey. Wow. We just want to have a poor attitude. It's their fault. Look what the government's doing. Look what Congress is doing. Well, look what the Senate's doing. No, look what the House is doing. No, look what President Obama's doing. It's his fault. Or here's the best one. I wrote an article on this. It's Wall Street's fault that we're in this position. Let's blame big business. Let's forget the fact that Main Street became greedy and wanted to own a lot of real estate that they couldn't afford. TV shows all over the networks called Flip My House. Some of them were just should have been flipped the bird, I think. We want to blame everybody else. Why didn't my marriage work while well? we just have irreconcilable differences? That and the fact I was looking at everybody else's booty but my wife's. My husband didn't want to go dancing, so I went dancing with Addie, but I found some studs. It's everybody else's fault. See, going back Living intentionally for excellence. If you've got bad health, it's your daggum fault. It's nobody else's. I'm not making light of your health issues, but the odds are you didn't eat right, didn't live right, didn't exercise right. Eventually, somewhere along the line, you popped too many beer tabs, watched too much football, and didn't exercise. If you're without a job in this economy, it's not the economy's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not BP's fault. You're not out there making something. You're trying to find a job with somebody else instead of getting off your doggone butt and saying, how can I change my life? I'll go sell something. I went bankrupt. Well, it's the economy's fault. It's BP's fault. No, it wasn't. It's because I was burning through the credit cards. I had wonderful credit. Getting credit was easy. Having major credit lines was awesome. And I did what I knew I shouldn't have done. So now I've made drastic changes. See, looking at Chris's book, looking at Warren's book, they write something here. Anyone claiming to be a leader should be judged by the scoreboard, not the self-proclamation. Now, here's the fun part. Some of you are saying, well, I never said I was a leader. I know, and you're not making self-proclamations. Instead, somebody else is calling you a leader, and somebody else is proclaiming you that. You don't have a choice. And if you're a Christian, then you accepted your leadership role by asking Jesus Christ into your heart. Yeah, i got to throw that one in there and cause some of you to stumble. You'll have to go back to the Bible and try to figure out where that one's at. It's in there. Trust me. You'll find it if you dig deep enough. See, I believe we are all on a path. And we got to figure out what that path is. 
And I believe the path starts by living intentionally for excellence and stop making excuses for our actions and stop blaming others for our shortcomings. It's time that you get out a blank piece of paper going into 2012 and you start storyboarding out what your life's going to be like. You're going to dig deep and go through the pain, whether it's physically, emotionally, health, whatever it is. You're going to make a choice to say, God, thank you for my blessings. I'm going to enjoy my Christmas. I'm going to move into 2012 with a new vigor for life. And I'm going to be the man or woman that I am supposed to be to finish living out my mission in life, whatever that might be. Folks, we're going to have fun this week. Tomorrow we're going to start talking about the sparkling mistress. Now, that one ought to be kind of fun. That'll, that'll get you going. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Have fun this week and think about the blessings. And be back here tomorrow morning for RealMentorsRadio.com. <laughs>